God in heaven, I thank you that your love indeed knows no bounds, uh, that you have afforded us a tool to bring the gospel to the world in a powerful way. And I just ask that you would guide us in how to do it well and that you would show us what lessons we need to learn. And I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is the second of three. Ooh, we'll go ahead and actually keep this cracked. It's actually locked. So just so no one ends up feeling that they've encountered the closed door for any of those Adventist historians out there. Hello. All right. And you can actually leave it. Yeah, just like that. Okay. So one question that we get uh, is, when do I get my kids involved? Like, when is the time for them to have access to these things? Someone remind me of that at the end, and I'll come back to that. I don't know why I don't put that slide at the end. That would probably be the smart thing. But anyway, I'll put that seed in your brain. So the question then is, how do we engage in social media in a safe and responsible and evangelistic way? And two, what do I post? So what we should be doing is seeking to grow relationships and friendships by connecting with people, but not growing a love and a tolerance for the things that ensnare them. You understand the difference? So we want to find as many common bridges as we can, but we also don't want to endorse what they're doing. I had someone who messaged me on Facebook this week. Oh, man, I had a powerful testimony to share to my sermon last night, and I forgot. Who will? Um... Someone sent me a message on Facebook a few days ago asking me a question in harmony with this very thing. So, they said, um, <clears throat> How do you respond to an old friend who left the church and wants my opinion on the music that they're making, right? It's secular, techno, dubstep, and I don't want to be rude. But it doesn't sound good even from a worldly stance. How do I encourage this person without encouraging the production of this type of music? And my response to them was that that's a tough one. There really is no easy answer for it. If I just stop there, it's just a cop out, right? That's a tough question. Hope it works out. Um, But I told them that what you can do is show love and encouragement to someone without endorsing what they do. And... You can just tell them that you're probably not the best judge of it, right? Find easy ways. To, you know, I'm not a musician. That probably isn't the best thing for me. I'm not the best, you know, person. Um, but they, I have a similar relationship with my brother, and I kind of explain that to some degree. But what I recommend is that we, as a, just Christians in general, but the more reforms we have built into a movement, the more prone we are to identify people with what they do. So it's hard for us to distinguish the difference between someone doing something and that being who they are. And that's a problem. It's a really big problem because that's not the way that God deals with these people. And it basically falls into two categories. There's something called guilt and there's something called shame. Guilt is that sense, and they feel very similar on the inside. Guilt is that I've done something wrong. And the purpose of guilt is a godly redemptive one because it's to open your eyes to the fact that I've done wrong and that I need Jesus. And Jesus is the very one who died to save me from my wrongdoing. Guilt is a good thing. It's positive. It leads us to Jesus. Shame, on the other hand, is that I am something wrong. So guilt is that I did something wrong. Shame is that I am something wrong. I'm a thief. I'm a liar, right? I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. I'm a homosexual. I'm a whatever. And what it does is it identifies you with the very thing that you do. The problem is that's not the way that God intends to operate. God does not define us based upon what we do. He does not treat us as if that's all we'll ever be or all that we are. God doesn't operate that way. And I'm very glad for that, by the way. But shame gets you, not only are you identifying yourself with what you've done, but you also feel so filled with self-hatred and unworthiness that you feel like you can't come to Christ. So God uses one, and Satan uses the other. So it's easy for people who have more conservative principles, and I'm one of those, by the way. Don't freak out. Um, It's easy for us when we see people doing things that we don't like. You know, like they eat abominable swine's flesh. They watch bad movies. They listen to rock music. They listen to CCM, right? Like the, the 
Anyway, um, you know, they, they, they do this, they do that. And we just feel as though these people are lepers. And I had to stay as far away from them as possible because X is bad, right? This is bad. And if so-and-so does this, then they're bad. That's not the gospel. That's not the way that God views them. But that is the way that many times people of principle treat folks who struggle with X. They're bad. They're the ones with the cooties. They're the ones we have to stay away from. That isn't the way that God operates. What Chad shared this morning was beautiful. God is pursuing these people. And God intends to use human instrumentalities to awaken these folks to the fact that God loves them. And the very people who are generally more prone to want to believe the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, right, who would be some of the best candidates to bring these people to Jesus, will go nowhere near them because they got cooties. Because they do stuff that's bad. And so in our minds, we just lump person doing bad with being bad. And that's not the way that God views them. Are you with me? So when we're having these interactions, we're seeking to grow relationships with people, but we have to have boundaries. We have to have barriers in a sense that there's things that I just won't do, right? There's lines that I just won't cross. There's places I'm just not going to go, but I'm going to invest in them. Are you with me? This is the way that our relationships should be working, and you can do that on social media. Find the ways that you can build bridges, and, you know, don't do any form of endorsement of things that you're not in harmony with, that you don't feel are the right thing. Are you understanding? And I think we're so afraid of bad things and doing the wrong thing and making wrong decisions that it ends up causing us to have this analysis paralysis. Like we end up doing nothing and even running from people that aren't like us. And that's exactly what the Jews did. And that's why God couldn't use them to win the world. We're repeating our history if we don't understand it. So anyway, I would encourage us to kind of do some self-reflection. Who are those people in my life that I saw providence in how they were brought into my sphere of influence? But because they did stuff that I just, and I kind of just defined them by what they did, I missed a blessing. They missed a blessing. What if God ordained that I'd be in this person's life and be light in their experience, and I've run from them like the plague because I just, they got issues, they got this, they got that. Anyway, some stuff for us to be thinking about. So notice, this: the principles that I've been sharing with you in the first one and in the second one, these aren't only digital media principles, are they? No, you can apply this to anything. It's how relationships work. We should be a winsome people, and we should be intelligent, right, in how we do our stuff. So do your homework. Who is it that you're wanting to reach? And then what is it that gets their gears turning? And how can I find a common bond with them, right? Fair questions, easy stuff. When you're posting, think about what you're saying and how people who follow you or are friends with you would respond. The non-Adventists. The non-Christians, the opposite end of the political spectrum of my faith movement. Now, we don't want to get analysis paralysis again in this situation and just be too afraid to do anything. But just think. Stop for a moment. When you're all jazzed up about what happened at annual council, stop. When you're all jazzed up about what happened at the general conference, Stop. When you're all jazzed up after watching a two-hour-long sermon on YouTube railing on the dirt of the church, which half of it isn't even true, stop watching it, first of all. It's heresy. It's sinful. And two, stop and think before you post. Right? There's basic principles. Is what I'm about to write and my frustration really going to be helping the kingdom of heaven right now or not? If it's not, you just don't post it. Oh, you're fine. You go wherever you need to. Yeah, no, it's no problem. There's no video camera in here. You can go this way. Oh, there's cables there. Um, yeah, just just be wise, right? We should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Um, doves are not the predatory birds, if you're not aware. <laughs> they defend their territory, right? So, anyway, just stuff to see. So, who should be able to see the posts? One thing I strongly recommend that you do is take an inventory. You know, if you want to post, what I post a lot of are just inspirational thoughts from what I'm reading in Desire of Ages or something else. I'll post videos, I'll do other things. But look, I travel and do evangelism for a living, right? My, my, my social media account is me doing ministry just because that's my lifestyle, 
right? It's not a different persona for me if I need to just be religious because that's what I, like, I would not be doing what I'm doing if it didn't matter to me and wasn't a part of my life, right? I don't, I don't have the ability to just live a lie in that sense. I got problems. I'm a hot mess, you know, don't get me wrong. But I just mean in a general sense that I am not somebody who does this for any other reason than the fact that these things are ministering to me and I want to share them. So my account may look different than yours. You could be a college student. You could be doing something else for a living. And you're, you're on a lot of secular people. Your post may look different than mine. And that's okay. That's no problem. I'm no better. You're no worse. You're no better. I'm no worse. My point is, who is it that's seeing what it is that you're posting? And if you recognize they're not going to understand whenever I post something from the spirit of prophecy or whatever, there's ways that you can actually keep people from seeing those posts while seeing the others. Okay? And I would just kind of do an inventory of your Facebook list. I can't because it's just... I just say yes. If I find out that they're religious Adventists and not spam or nonsense, then I just say yes. I just don't stop anybody. But um, in your situation, you may be more selective and whatever. That's fine. But do an inventory and just find out who is it that's seeing what I'm posting. Where are these people? Where are they in life? What are their needs in life? What's the common ground that I could be posting about that could kind of get their wheels turning and make them inquisitive, Right? And you're, you're looking long-term. We're not looking for quick fixes, right, of just these gotcha posts to rope them. No, you want to build genuine relationships. You're gardening. you got to till the soil. you got to feed the soil, right? Then you put in the seed, but you still got to water it. you got to nurture it. you got to cultivate it. Then comes the harvest, right? This is, this is going to take time. Soul winning is not TV dinner evangelism. It doesn't work that way. And if you want people to respond quickly, you're in the wrong line of business because there's people involved. And everyone's on a different journey, moving at a different speed, right? Your determination, your objective is to be in it for the long haul. And it takes as long as it takes, right? Maybe very slow, maybe very fast, whatever. But take that inventory, and there's this awesome setting on Facebook. Whenever you see this little globe thingy, you have already predetermined what this is whenever you set up your account, right, in your settings. But if you're going to post this uh, Spirit of Prophecy quote, saying, Ella White, the, the end-time prophet of God says, and then you, you put this, blah, blah, blah. You can go to public, and then you can go to the public can see this post. So anybody, even if they're not your friends, so whenever they find you and they just go to see what you're about without even being your friend yet, that's this. Friends is just what you think it is, the people you've accepted friendships with who actually may not even actually be your friends. Isn't that funny? And then you can say, friends accept Don't show this to some friends. And this playlist of sorts, you can personalize. So I have one for all of my non-Avenist family, which is my my whole family, with the exception of almost my dad. Um, So when there's certain things I need to deal with or I'm going to address that I feel like they're not going to understand this, they may take it the wrong way, then I do friends except. And then you can pick, you know, your feeling activity. I'm feeling groovy. I'm feeling like Jesus is awesome. I'm feeling whatever. And then you can put your things up there, and then you hit go. That's fine. But anyway, this is a way that you can actually filter who sees what you do, right? So you can be a little more winsome and and wise in who sees what you're doing. Does that make sense? That's one way. Now, content is king, right? Charlie bit my finger is one of the greatest success stories of social media. And what a travesty, right? (laughs) Christians didn't win the day. It was some British-sounding kid and a dog uh, in a cell phone video. But content is king, right? Most of the most viral content that we see on the Internet is stuff that isn't made by Hollywood, right? That isn't made of exceptional visual quality, editing, graphics, after effects, and all of that. So, not that I'm not... We as Christians should strive for excellence. And unfortunately, we as a movement have been cheap, uh, many times. Adventists are known for being cheapskates. But our education is really, really, really expensive. I never really understood that. But education is, is a, an investment worth making. But we're known as being cheapskates. We're the ones that ask for an Adventist discount. We're the ones that ask the mechanic in our church to fix our car. We won't pay them. right? We're the people who ask Adventist filmmakers to work for less than what people make at Burger King. Um, and I say this in jest to some degree, but it's true. We've not been known as a people who invest in quality based on what people see. This is why you'll see like Bible study designs that are still 30 years old. They look like something from the 80s, right? The problem is people are drawn, particularly this generation. We're talking about young people. They're aesthetically driven. 
if what you're making isn't visually appealing, you're probably not going to get their attention. So we should invest intentionally in things that would be helpful, right? That's an effort worth making. When God had them make the sanctuary, he didn't just say, go to the junkyard. He said, take the finest things you can find, right? And when people saw the vision that God had given them, and they did it according to the blueprint that God gave them, not only did people give, they gave more than was needed. This is a model for us in our, in our missional methods. We should do it according to the blueprint. We should let people see that God is at work, and people should be giving. And people gave more than enough many times, and the end product was excellent. God provided the excellent craftsmen. But if people don't give, the project can't be done, right? So we need to be intentional about this. But my whole point is, not everything is going to be stellar that ends up being viral. But we should be intentional in making stuff excellent. Are you with me? Excellence does matter. We should be the head and not the tail. Hollywood is lapping us in this regard, right? They, they don't have mistakes in what they make. They have a lot of harmful foolishness. But when it comes to the visual side, they don't... They invest in quality. We as Adventists should be even more diligent. Use what gear you have. My buddy Jasper uh, refers to a term in filmmaking that's called gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. I can't make anything until I have X piece of equipment. That's not true. You actually can make something right now. And what I would strongly encourage you to do, I'll talk about him in a moment, so I'll come back to that. But Jasper and I and another friend of mine who I'll also talk about here in a second, we did a seminar at GYC on these very topics. And Jasper's two, video, two seminars, they did video of his. So you can see all of it. He edited his videos from his slides into the video. And I would strongly recommend that you guys watch this. If you're creatives, uh, I would strongly recommend that you watch it. And even if you aren't, I still think you'd find a benefit because this can apply in other areas. That we think, oh man, like if I just had X, then I could really do something for God. Well, if the pioneers took that position, we never, we'd still be in the Northeast right now. What's the name of the talk? Uh, it's called Stealing Lucifer's Playground. The same title is what I'm sharing this, and it's on Audioverse. And, um, uh, yeah, and his name, and I'll give you that in a moment. His name is Jasper Ivan Aturiega. Casey Neistat, who's kind of the golden boy of YouTube right now, he, he said some of the best advice that he ever got from somebody was from Roman Atwood, another golden boy from YouTube. And the best advice he got was to just keep uploading. Just keep posting. Just keep uploading. Don't let your, your thoughts, it has to be perfect before I do anything. Perfectionism is not the way that God operates. Many times it's, it's, it's detrimental to the Christian experience and to life in general. That in, if something isn't, you know, of what, our, what I think it needs to be, I don't do anything. The problem is, you're not doing anything. You with me? And so it's best to take that step forward and do what you can with what you got. And you may find the biblical principle come to pass. That those who are faithful in little will also be faithful in much. Be faithful with what you do have. Many people, oh man. David Ashrick had a sermon at GYC a few years ago. And in that message, I think it was called Stir What You Got. It's amazing. It's like 2003. It's, I see it a few years ago. Some of you probably weren't even born yet. Um, isn't that scary? Were, were, were you born yet in 2003? 2002. 2002. All right. Just made it. Um, so anyway, he had this sermon called Stir What You Got that's absolutely amazing if you can find it online. But he has this line where he says that the enemy of current action is, is future ambition. The enemy of current action is future ambition. Someday I'm going to do something for the Lord. Someday I'm going to be a missionary. And for many of us, someday never comes because we did nothing with what we had. Use what you do have. Stir what you got, right? That's the point. So just keep uploading and you'll find that by doing, you learn more than just hoping to create the perfect masterpiece. Post things that are relevant to young people and what they wrestle with. Man, I don't know if I'll have time to get into this. Um, I don't think I do. But, yeah, I better. All right. So, I am in the the talks right now with my best friend, Mark Payton, who's a filmmaker. With 3ABN, we're designing a program for them at their request for young people. And some of you may be thinking, young people don't watch 3ABN. You're right, they don't. But uh, many of them don't. We got Miss Brenda, and then we have 
people in middle age and retirement, but then there's this huge gap in the middle. They recognize that. That's why they asked us to help. So one of the things they asked us to do is we're going to make 15-minute length episodes, a program called Raw Question. Well, the, the title is, is in dispute. The patent office rejected our request. So we have to, to nail this down. But something along the lines of raw questions, honest answers. Raw questions, relevant answers. We really wish it could have been raw questions, real answers, but that got rejected. So we're settling. So it's not our fault. It's the patent office's fault. Anyway, it's a, it's a Q&A program where young people can swing for the fences and ask the hard heart issue questions. If you've you got questions about the seven trumpets, go talk to John Lomacain. What we're dealing with is stuff that's crippling our young people that no one wants to talk about. And we're giving them a safe place to anonymously bring these questions forward. And Mark and I have done these Q&As at schools and other places and have seen God really, really bless. So what I have in my hand here are questions that are coming from predominantly conservative young adults in our church. Are you ready to hear the questions they're asking? Okay. I know we only have to say, I will, then God will do his work in us, but how? How do I have assurance? How do I know that I'm in the right path? How can I overcome pride? Everyone has different views on what's worldly. So seriously, what's the correct view? If you don't know God, had never heard about him, then you won't go to hell, right? So why are we going around the world telling everyone about him? And yeah, before Jesus comes, everyone will hear about him. But what about the people who die before he comes and it wasn't their choice to hear about him? Will they go to hell simply for hearing about something, having the info but not applying it? How do you overcome commitment issues? How can you be satisfied with only God? How can I experience God's love for me personally? Do I really have to give up pop, music, etc. to get into heaven as long as it isn't cussing or saying bad things? I haven't even hit the heavy stuff yet. Can there be good, successful, and Christian-like courting and dating relationships that honor God while being in high school? I have a friend and she's lost faith in God, so she's in the crowd. Oh, yeah, not here. And I would just appreciate if you would talk about these questions she has asked and had no idea how to answer them. How do you know God exists or is real? Why does he never answer me or answer my prayers? How is the Bible accurate and where did it come from? I haven't sorted these beforehand, so forgive me for this pause. When I got baptized, I kind of felt God, you know? But I don't have that all the time anymore. Am I supposed to feel God? I had this friend, and they always make me feel bad. Like, I don't think they even mean it. But I've known them for many years, and we're really close, I guess, but they've drifted, and they treat people different. Kind of, you know, like, I've only known them for less, uh, even though they've only known them for less. I don't know if they hate me, but I need to know how to handle if this is what God would want for me to do. I want to know how God would help me with this problem. Man, where's the heavy stuff? Give me a second here, because this is... You know how many questions there are about salvation? Like every two. How do you have a connection with Jesus? Like people say that's the only way to have salvation, but nobody ever explains how. I need help. I just don't get it. This is one of the things that can happen whenever you have a movement that focuses a lot on the reforms and we bring a lot to the table. Is we, 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 we do a very good job. We specialize in telling all the people what God expects that they didn't know about. But we've not spent an equivalent amount of time communicating how God promises to enable us to do what he expects. And so the response we get from our young people many times is is one or the other. I'm a loser, and I'm not going to be good enough, and I might as well quit. Or two, God is unreasonable and isn't worthy of being followed. Because why would he ask me to do something if, if I can't do it, if he knows I can't do it? We're not communicating that side as much as we ought, and that's a problem. How do I know that I'm possessed? There were times I thought I was, but then it slows down.
They say not to judge Christianity by the Christians, but if Christ was so powerful and life-changing, how come I've never seen a quote-unquote Christian that made me believe that there's a loving God? The only reason I even remotely want to go to heaven is because I don't want my family and friends to see and know all the horrible things that I've done behind my Christian mask. They would be so disappointed in me. How is heaven a place that I could enjoy? If I'm just going there so they don't know what I did for eternity would feel like hell, not heaven, if that's the only reason I'm wanting to go. Why should I keep trying something that does not work? The very definition of an idiot is someone who tries the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It seems hopeless. This is not coming from flaming liberal institutions. Why do staff and parents shelter teenagers so much from the world when they know that they're going to go out after high school and experience all the things of the world? Wouldn't God rather have us experience those things while our parents have control over us and can help us through it or when we're out on our own? That's called self-governance, by the way, which Ellen White highly advocates. We've never been exposed to it. We don't know how and what to do, and we have no one protecting us once we're out there and telling us what we should do. Doesn't he realize that when it all hits us at once, it's going to hurt us more than ever? Why would he let these people do that to us? Because that's honestly what happens in all Christian homes and schools. Kids whose parents tend to be strict go wild when they're on their own. Example, preachers' daughters and sons. I know God doesn't want that, so why does he let those things happen? Interestingly, we're given counsel on self-governance, but we don't like to practice it. And, and that's self-governance is not just letting everybody go buck wild. The point is that you're teaching them to think through the decisions that they're making why am I making this decision and how, as opposed to just what we think is protecting them is actually preparing these kids to fall in the Sunday law crisis. If you're not aware of this, let me just do this, because this is relevant. And I was going to do a message on this and didn't get a chance, so you get it here. Many of our young people are leaving this movement because they were never given an opportunity to make their own decisions. And the parents think that they're protecting the kids. What they don't seem to understand is that you're not protecting them if you never teach them to think for themselves. They're a mere reflector of your thoughts. So when you're not there with them, when they go to one of our Adventist schools, it isn't as safe as your homeschool environment was or something else. They don't know what to do. They become a reflector of the people's thoughts around them. What if the people they hang out with aren't like mom? They're going to be like them. And the parents, I hear this time and time again, we raised them so much better than that. They knew what right from wrong was. No, they knew what made you happy and what didn't. They knew what you said is right and what's wrong, but they did not themselves make it their own. Right? They can't borrow your oil. They need their own. They have to learn how to hear from God for themselves, how to actually process through a situation to know if this is right, if this is wrong, or what I should do. But we think in our means of protecting them that it's actually helping. It's not protecting them. It's actually fattening them for slaughter. Because what do you do whenever the federal government and the military speak louder than present truth preachers and your parents? You're going to do what you've always done. Obey to stay out of trouble. They've been taught, don't do bad things or you're going to get in trouble. Well, that mentality is exactly what the mark of the beast crisis is about. You can receive the mark in your hand and your forehead. You can have people who believe that Saturday is the Sabbath and still get the mark of the beast because they're going to take action to save their life. Are you hearing me? This is why Ellen White stresses self-governance. They should be empowered to make decisions in your home on their own, just like this kid asked. This is profound from a young person. She's a pastor's daughter. They should be given this opportunity so that when they do err in the decisions they make, you can sit them down and not condemn them and step through. Okay, what, was, what, was thinking, what were you thinking about when you got in this situation? Not what were you thinking, but like, let's just talk about it. Let's reason through why this sounded like a good idea to you at the time, and here's why it isn't. But we're reactionary, and we take oversteps at times that we think are protecting that are actually harming. And our young people are leaving. And parents can't believe it. Because all they had was a homeschool environment. They told them about Jesus. They thought for sure that they would thrive in those environments because I protected them. But you didn't prepare them. You did protect them, but you didn't prepare them. And there's a big difference. And some of our institutions are running the same way. We don't let them make their own decisions, and it hurts them. How can I serve a God that allows hurt and pain to happen to innocent children? If I can't enjoy Christianity here on earth, where I should need it the most, how can I live in heaven for eternity? It makes me just want to have as much fun as possible till I die and then burn it off in hell. Christianity is just a set of do's and don'ts. 
I want to go to heaven, but I feel like I'll never be good enough or able to follow all the Christian standards. And I don't even know if I want to. I'm tired of people trying to force me and tell me what I can or can't listen to, dress like, etc. And I'm tired of not having any control of things. Now, I'm not endorsing what these kids are saying. Are you, are you, are you understanding that? But they're asking raw questions. And it gives you insight into what's going through their minds so you know how to address the issues. Which is why a majority of my preaching ministry has been dealing with heart issues. Because a lot of these things are what I'm hearing from people. And I'm, we, we got to do it. And I'm tired of not having any control of the things I want to do. I feel like God's too controlling, even though I realize it might just be the people making him out to be that way. But then I think, well, they're definitely spiritual, so maybe they're right. But then I realize I'm never going to be able to give up those things or even want them. I'm afraid to read the Bible because I'm scared of what it will tell me. At least they're honest. And I can't be myself and do those things. I don't want to give those things up, and I don't want God to change me. That's the real issue. I know I'm going to hell, and I'm starting to accept that and not care anymore, even though I know God is a loving God. If they did, they wouldn't think that way. It's lip service, right? He only wants what's best for me, so what should I do? I don't feel like I'm ready to follow God and all his rules. I just want to live while I'm young. These are from Seventh-day Adventist young people from conservative homes. Well, it's, yeah, there's, there's dissonance for sure as far as their view of how hell operates. But the point is that we are going to have to pay the price for what we do. It is real. I feel so alone. God, the faceless being, seems to have favorites. He for sure doesn't like me. He's always shown himself in many ways to other people. Not to me. Does God care? And anyway, the list could go on and on and on. The road to heaven is a fiery hell was one of the statements from a pastor's daughter. So, and a pastor who's not a, a neoconservative either. So, here's my point, guys. We're lying to ourselves if we assume that we don't have problems. That our kids don't have problems. But our pulpits are not addressing these problems. Many times. And so these kids feel isolated. They don't feel like they have a safe place to ask the questions without being judged. Which is why we're developing this program. And two, we're not creating resources to acknowledge the elephant in the room. We're messed up. Here's where it gets worse. Three Abians Pastoral Department is getting an alarming amount of phone calls from Seventh-day Adventist adults and pastors who have zero assurance of salvation. And we wonder why our kids are wrestling. These are the parents and grandparents of our children. Somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of where we came from. We've lost sight of what it is that God was trying to do to have Christ be the central pillar to which everything else found its power and its influence. And our young people aren't finding it. And our older generation isn't finding it. And yet God, in his great mercy, sent a most precious message. I believe that's where our answer is found. In the message of Christ our righteousness, I fully believe that with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's a phenomenal resource... Uh, that exists in our movement that explains how these things came about and what God was wanting to do. It's called Return to the Latter Rain, Volume 1. The author happens to be a local yokel and a nice guy. So anyway, I would strongly recommend that you recognize what was happening because you know what happened. When these adults were preaching the message of Christ our righteousness and dealing with relevant real issues, you'll never believe it. When they did a week of prayer at South Lancaster, the Latter Rain fell upon the school. And every student was converted. All of them. They shut down the school and they came and attended the week of prayer. There were revivals that happened at Battle Creek College, which is basically the academy. The revivals are happening in other places. And one of the main, main emphases that, that brought about the revival at the Battle Creek College was the topic of self-governance. Choosing not to shame the kids whenever they did something they shouldn't have done, but in turn pursuing their souls to win them and point them to Jesus. And then you know what happened? The kids themselves went up in front of the school and confessed their sins. And then other kids confessed their sins. And then other kids confessed their sins. And this huge revival broke out because of self-governance and the uplifting of the cross. God provided answers for what's happening to our young people today 140 years ago. We could respond. We could act in kind. So anyway... If you're posting stuff, 
What about dealing with some of those issues? Just a thought, right? The stuff that's killing them and that social media fuels and needs to be addressed. Show examples? I just did. All right. Don't weary your audience. I had to have a conversation, a difficult conversation, with a well-known Adventist individual because they were just blowing up social media on topics that were very important to them, and they were wearying the saints. The problem is they're a valuable resource in that particular area, and I had many people tell me they unfollowed this individual because they're just wearying the saints. And the thing is with Facebook, when you unfollow people, they don't know it. You don't know that people unfollowed you. So you assume that your influence is bigger than it actually is, and the problem was you, not the cause, because you wearied them, yeah? So choose the best articles. You don't have to post everything that you see. By the way, for those of you who are over the age of 40 in this room, social media is not a place, and it's, it's okay, they just don't know. No one's telling them this. It's not a place where you just post everything that you like. It clutters up people's feeds. Please don't tag people with everything that you see that you like or that is cute. Young people are unfollowing you, right? They don't know what to do, and it's difficult for them to know how to handle it. Um, just speaking from their side of the aisle, what I've heard a lot of and had to deal with, it's, it's best that that not be the case. If that is being done to you, by the way, young people, and you're just getting spammed by like your grandparents or something else, there is a way in which you can change the settings on Facebook so that nothing gets put on your wall until you approve it. That's a way to go around without having to have the face-to-face conversation with grandma about tagging you on all the things that they think are cute. Um, all right, resources. Jasper Ivan Aturiega, he's a Filipino guy, fantastic dude. He's an itinerant filmmaker. He was just in North Korea last week, and um, he did like the day tour from China, so he did it legitimately. He wasn't like Brother Andrew. But um, he's everywhere all the time. He's like the omnipresent filmmaker, preacher, missionary. Anyway, he makes phenomenal videos. How many people have seen some of Taj Pakleb's devotional videos he's released? Okay, my friend Mark Payton filmed the most recent one, my best friend that's doing the Q&A program on 3ABN with me. The one that Taj did about his house being burned, that, that was filmed by my best friend Mark Payton. Um, but Jasper has filmed all the other ones that Taj has done. Great videos, great opportunity to check those out. But anyway, if you follow Jasper on Facebook, he doesn't have room for friends anymore. Um, but you can still go to his page. It's public. He posts videos there. He has a YouTube channel called Tell Them Ministry. I would check out his videos. This guy has millions of views. Adventists don't get millions of views, unfortunately. Jasper does. Jasper was offered a, to do the aerial videography for the Miss Universe pageant. He's a Seventh-day Adventist minister. But people saw his videos, and they saw they were so good. They said, would you do the aerials for this? He says, no, I'm going to the event of the universe, GYC. And he he didn't do it. Um, Philippines Airlines saw a video that he made and reposted it. And they said, hey, we want you to make videos for us. We'll pay you. Make videos for us. A colorist from Marvel Studios, somebody does color grading for videos from Marvel Studios, got a hold of him and said, hey, your stuff is really good. I'm willing to give you free color grading lessons Every week, just because I see you have gifts and talents. He has people message him and say, hey, can I have Bible studies? Like, you're talking about God. This is, these are amazing stories. Can I, would you study the Bible with me? He's never had to get hotels. He stays in people's houses, couches, wherever. Anyway, amazing stories. But he's making great content. He's the person that you need to look up on Audioverse. Okay? Look Jasper up. Jasper Ivan Aturiega. And it's Stealing Lucifer's Playground Part 1 and Part 2. would strongly recommend uh, those videos. All right, I'm going to have to make hay here because I chased a bunch of rabbits. Um, but I think it was worth it. What I was going to cover last night on why our youth are leaving, we've dealt with that now to some degree. Okay? Uh, and I, when I say are, I mean even more on the side of the people of principle. I haven't even addressed liberalism. That's a whole other situation, right? But just from our side of the camp and what I'm seeing, that's, that's some of the issues. This is a great resource. Social media and big data services. This is done by the North American Division. Tithe your comments, please. All right, at Digital Evangelism is the program that they have. SDAData.org is the website. They are creating phenomenal resources, guys, for digital media. All kinds of stuff. How to use Hootsuite, how to use social media the right way, principles. You know what they end up doing? Jamie Jean Dom is uh, the girl who's kind of doing a lot of the the boots-on-the-ground stuff for them. 
she's using the book. There's a book called like Councils to Editors and something. I forget the name. What it, Councils to Editors and Writers. What she does is she makes application to social media with these things because this is the new publishing work. Digital media is the new publishing work. Does that mean that we stop publishing books? No, but this is a new wing of it. Are you with me? And this is why the Adventist Review felt so passionately, passionately about starting ARTV, is, is we're continuing and, and sticking to our roots, but we're moving into pioneering new areas. Okay? So anyway, they're creating phenomenal free resources. Even Adventists can afford that, right? Free resources. And it's great. Really, really helpful stuff. Uh, there's a guy's name is Justin Koo he, of, of YouTubers. He's getting the most traction that I've seen um, of most in Adventism. It's called That Christian Vlogger. Um, Lineage Journey. How many people have seen any of those videos? It's, it's run by all of my friends, so I'm kind of a uh, phenomenal content. Season 2 is actually going to be on Adventist church history and should be releasing in the next couple months. So Lineage Journey, if you're not aware... yes. They have, yeah, they have 15,000 views per video on Facebook around that, that range. So which is, it, for Adventism, that's good. Um, but th- we need more people sharing. It's an organic thing. Facebook has a, that's a whole other story, but Facebook is, is against what we're trying to do in different ways. Do not share YouTube links on Facebook if you're creating something. YouTube is a competitor to Facebook. So if you create a video yourself is what I mean. If you're creating a video yourself, upload that video natively to Facebook and upload it to YouTube. You can use YouTube links on Twitter. You can put it in your profile link on your Instagram and reference it there. But Facebook, their algorithms intentionally hide posts that are YouTube links because it's a competitor. So you get more views. And and Jamie actually walks through a lot of this stuff in her stuff on sdadata.org. So Lineage Journey is doing that. Lineage Journey also has their own app now on iOS and Apple TV. Um, ARTV has licensed their content. So if you want to see Lineage Journey, you can go to ARTV and see it. You can go here and see it. You can go to their YouTube, all of that. But not only, so they basically filmed the entire big sections of the Reformation on location. It's cinematically done. They're short and shareable. They're very well done. Adam Ramden does a fantastic job. They, They nicknamed him One Take Ramden. He's, he's killing it. He did a great, great job. Uh, another ministry that I don't have here that I used to work for and run and still think the world of and helping to make resources, still I'm still a board member, is Unseen Media Group. U-N-S-C-E-N-E Media Group. Uh, they've been releasing weekly devotionals now. Uh, I did three cinematic ones for them in the fall, and then they just produced another like five, I think, in the last five weeks. Good stuff. Cinematic devotionals. Again, dealing with heart issues. Relevant stuff to young people and discouraged Christians. Unseen Media Group, U-N-S-C-E-N-E Media Group. Check them out. Follow them on YouTube and on Facebook. And, but Lineage Journey, one of the things they did is they have behind-the-scenes videos of the Reformation sites. They did 360 videos. So you can see an interactive view inside of like the cathedral where Martin Luther was preaching or where this happened or where that happened. All kinds of great resources. And Hope Channel Australia designed Bible studies to accompany the videos. Just amazing. Little Light Studios. Uh, How many people have heard of Little Light Studios? They're not just making Hollywood documentaries. They started making Bible study resources, and they had a talk program. How many people saw any of their talk program called Small Talk? Anybody watch any of those? You're wearing a Little Light Studios shirt. So I work out of their office. I'm part of their board, too. Um, I work for ARTV, but my office space, I just... You know, go over to Scotty's house and do it there. But uh, they're creating more resources. I've actually got cards over here about that. And uh, another great asset in the church, they're doing five-minute Bible study videos on our doctrines and practical Christianity. They've done 11 in the first season. The next season's coming. I can't wait till the one on hell releases. I did that one. I'm so stoked for it, but it's still being edited. Uh, if you are a filmmaker or a photographer... Little Light Studios has designed a video stock site and an image stock site for Christian stuff. And they're doing it at a reasonable rate that's far more competitive than anyone else. You can actually make money by submitting your content. You get 60%, the site gets 40% to just keep creating stuff. It's a kitty for creatives, basically. So it's called uh, video mission, stock footage. 
and video mission stock footage. If you go on Facebook and friend them now, this is what I recommend that you do. If you've got your phones, friend these people now because you'll most likely forget um, and then, or like them or whatever. Then you get some idea of these things. But it's video mission. Um, ARTV, I'll tell you more about that in the next session because that's who I work with. But um, creating great resources. I can't wait to show you Icky Free Kids. How many people have seen Icky Free Kids, the show with the blue guy? Oh, man. Come back next session. I Believe Bible. This is being done by the, the Adventist Learning Center. And they're working hand-in-hand with Jamie Jean Schneider. And they're getting feedback. They're trying to deal with issues that are relevant to young people. I'm just talking about Adventists. They're doing social media well. That's kind of what I'm sharing with you right now. It, it's called uh, I Believe Bible. At I Believe Bible. And they've had some resources there that I thought were valuable. Here's a great success story that hardly anyone knows about because it's mainly not Adventists that are frequenting it. It's called Bible Ask. It's a thing I have up here on the top. Of, ah, I got Little Light and Bible Ask. I haven't covered the others. I'll cover audio verse in a second. Um, they have 81,000 followers on Facebook, and hardly any of those are Seventh-day Adventists. And it's a question and answer website. People can ask whatever they want about the Bible, and they're giving them Seventh-day Adventist answers. Amen? It's a great asset. Um, so I would point people. If you have people that you work with or whatever, like, hey, you ever wonder what the Bible says about whatever? I was looking at this website, and it doesn't say a ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Like, it's, it's just a website. 70,000. So here's an example. Like, were the Jews cursed for crucifying Jesus? Here's their question. Whatever else. Okay? Great resource. They're on Twitter, too. They've made some devotional videos. I did a couple for them. In fact, I did one on shame and guilt that we talked about in the last session. Uh, it's on their site as well. And uh, my buddy Jared at the Adventist Review, he, his wife has an amazing Instagram channel. I love it. It's Etsy. It's hip. They have a farm where they have uh, two miniature donkeys now, two cats, 17 chickens, and seven alpacas. And she just kind of documents the farm life, but it's done in this Etsy, hip, really nice way. People are sending her free stuff to this feature. She takes great pictures. So if you want to kind of get an idea on how to do creative things, just live in the home life. She's like an ICU nurse, too. Anyway, her stuff is great. I love it. She has a blog that looks really nice. She used to be like a wedding dress designer. She's a booming vegan cook. I don't know what this lady doesn't do. Um, but anyway, great resources there. Uh, Evan Bambrick uh, is a photographer and graphic designer, one of the best we have in the church, actually. He and his wife take all these really cool pictures. They're both photographers. They've done weddings for people and stuff, too. Um, I think they did the Neblet's wedding. But anyway, great people. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this, but these are people in Indonesia who are posting scripture in Indonesian language, and they have 60, nearly 66,000 followers in Indonesia. If you're not aware, Adventism, let alone Christianity, are the minority in Indonesia. And they have nearly 70,000 followers. Okay? Uh, how many people have heard, uh, how many people are at Pathways to Health in Phoenix? How many people heard Neville Neveling share about what's happening in South Africa with WhatsApp? So it's pretty phenomenal. He's actually now working with um, AWR. Kyle Allen's coming here this weekend from AWR. Neville's helping them. He's begun doing this amazing thing that they're doing evangelism through WhatsApp. They're literally doing a full-length evangelistic series through WhatsApp. And they're doing small group Bible studies. And they're planting churches through WhatsApp. Just amazing. But not only, he used to be like a radio engineer. He has this really diverse background that God really blessed him with. And he came across people in Asia who were doing something similar. And he made it even better. And they have it now in English. They'd started it in Afrikaans. But the way that he's designed it is that every 60 seconds of the 45-minute sermon has within, so it's, Basically, 40, it's a 45-minute sermon, but it's breaking down into 60-second chunks at a time. But it's all edited together. But each 60 seconds has a beginning, a, a body, and a close to keep people's attention. That's meticulous. Um, and it's pretty phenomenal, the, re- the results that they're seeing. Look him up on Facebook and reach out to him if you want to know more about what he's doing through WhatsApp evangelism. Really great resource. There's also amazing ways in which people are being blessed by doing crowdsourcing. But don't raise money for things that aren't really that, that you could just make an appeal to your local church. We don't want to weary the saints, right? 
But like Dwayne Lemon, he needed an emergency heart surgery, uh, and not because he wasn't a health reformer, he had a heart defect. So sometimes people get chippy about stuff like that. Like Danny Vieira died this year of cancer. Moses Mason died of a heart attack. Dwayne Lemon had heart surgery. And the immediate question people ask in their tactlessness is, were they vegan? Like, do you even know these guys? First of all, they're militant. Like, these are militant health reformers. Life happens, stuff happens, there's genetics, there's other things. Dwayne Lemon apparently has preached on this recently where I think he told people, like, it was at a Tacoa or a Heartland or someplace not too long ago where he said, can I just have some extra time to share with you something that's super important and a burn on my heart? And they stayed till like 10 p.m. But he was talking about the fact that we're talking about what to eat, what not to eat, and all of that. But what a lot of these people are falling short in is rest. Workaholism is killing our ministers. Even some of our reformers, right? Some of those people who are big into the reform movements within our church, they're workaholics. And Dwayne said, I got I to gotta slow down. And so anyway, Lisa Manzanares from GYC, she had to have a, a surgery. Melody Mason's mom getting cancer treatment. People raised all this money. I don't have time to tell you the miracle car payment story on Audioverse, but um, from Audioverse. But anyway, Audioverse is making a huge difference. I had no idea how much of a difference Audioverse was making until I was on there. I get messages from people all around the world that this is changing my life, like just powerful testimonies. And it's not me. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just sharing what God's sharing with me. But the point is, the Audioverse is having a global impact, way larger than I ever would have imagined, and is a great, great blessing. They just started a new website called Journeys Unscripted, I think is what it's called, or Journeys, yeah, I think it's Unscripted. Go to Audioverse, and it'll have a link for it, because I forget. Journey Interrupted is, is the thing done by my friends at Coming Out Ministries. It's not that. I think it's Journeys Unscripted. Anyway, it's just a website full of testimonies from Audioverse, just people's testimonies as a form of outreach. Great, great resources. Love them. I get private messages from people on social media a lot. They're just, hey, you know, this has changed my life. This has been a blessing. That guy who's asking advice on how to invest in his brother. Happens all the time. And this is one of the reasons why I stayed on social media was because it gives people access that they wouldn't have had before. They can ask questions. And I, I had someone send me a message from Asia. You know, I've... I, 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 start, I, run, I used to run the AYs at my church. I helped start a GYC chapter in my area. I was on fire for God, but then like stuff happened. I got sick. I had to work to, to have insurance. And I had to work on Sabbath. I'm not where I used to be. I don't know what to do. How, Sir, help me. How can I be saved? They'd heard some message on Audioverse, and, just, and the answers that were given were able to help them come back to God. Like, it's amazing what social media can do for people. So if you're posting things that are inspirational and helpful regularly... People are going to realize, I bet you that person cares. And, and the Holy Spirit will prick them and say, ask them. Reach out to them. Because they see that you're a storefront where, from where blessings can come. Right? Your posts have been a blessing. So keep throwing stuff at the wall until it sticks. Just keep uploading. Focus on building relationships. Be consistent. Don't be like Lot. Right? Don't have this dual citizenship. <laughs> be a Christian or don't be a Christian. Right? Uh, but I would encourage that you be a Christian. The benefits are out of this world. Amen? And God can do something with something, but he can't do anything with nothing. And this is where being a perfectionist crosses the natural inclination of the gospel, right? I can't do anything until I have it perfect. Well, I hope you don't plan on going to heaven because you can't do anything without Jesus, amen? Whose promise to will and to do according to his good pleasure to make you into who you need to be. But if you're trying to fix everything and get it right on your own before you do something, you're kind of missing the point, right? We're not to clean ourselves up. We're to come boldly and to trust that he who began a good work will indeed finish it. All right, questions. I have a question. What about that thing you said at the beginning of your presentation about when we should start our kids on social media? Yeah, mid to late teens. The same idea when it comes to self-governance. They need to have some time under your roof where they know how to manage and govern this, but you need access. And kids, that's not being invasive. It's reasonable. There are sharks out there that you know nothing about. And if you heard the stories of what happens, there were people reach out. They seem like a nice person. They go and say they're going to their friend's house. They're actually meeting with this person in public. And stuff happens. People get kidnapped. They get violated. This world is an ugly and dark place that you don't know about. And your parents have wisdom that you may not be aware of. Now, they don't know how to use the device to save their lives, right? They couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag um, digitally. 
But God has put them in your life for a reason and has given them wisdom regarding your protection, right? So around that age, no younger than that, no way. There's no need for you to have a smartphone. There's none. I had friends tell me they help run a school for kids, younger kids. And the kids, after hearing some of the principles biblically, said, Mom, I don't want this phone anymore. I don't, I don't want this in their life. I don't trust myself. And the parents said, no, 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 I think you can handle it. I think you'll be fine. The kid was convicted. I had two kids at GYC when I asked to open up for questions who literally said, my parents are addicted to their phone, and I'm concerned for them. Wow. Teenagers. Go to Audioverse. It's documented. It's there. They literally said, my dad, he's addicted to his phone, and like he, he won't admit it. He says he's not. He says that he can handle it. If you're approached by somebody, your response should not be to justify yourself. The immediate question you should ask yourself is, is there, is there something to this? Search your own heart. Your children are far more important than whatever's happening here, and that includes your work. One of the other reasons why young people are leaving our movement is because mom and dad are too busy for them. Sometimes they're too busy doing the Lord's work. Their kids were sacrificed on the altar of their ministry. So it's not just kids that have that addiction problem. All right, questions? For one, there's filters that they need to have on their phone, and there's things you can access. One of the things I use, because I don't want to go back to my old lifestyle, is Covenant Eyes. It's a web browser that sends reports, detailed reports, to accountability partners of mine. I don't even have the code to unlock my phone. I don't have it. So I can't download or you know, even update apps. So I have to have my best friend Mark send a code to whoever's near me for them to unlock my phone to update my apps, and then for them to lock it back. So there's, there's safeguards you can take where you can actually get reports. It's called Covenant Eyes. It's 10 bucks a month, but it covers every device that you have. So your computer, your iPhone, your Android, anything. It covers those, uh, well, I say anything, but like your, your iPad, your other stuff. That's one option. I would do research on what the best consumer ratings are for resources like this. Accountability, protecting your children and their innocence, things like that. They also have filters built into the devices, too. I would do both. I would do filtering and monitoring. And even if the filters, is, usually they're not perfect, right? So the filters, like I had a filter block a vegan lemonade or like a, like a lemonade recipe. Like, what is this? But I'd rather have that problem than have the other problem. And it's not that important for your kids anyway. You can actually disable the browser altogether if you have to. So there's ways to go about that. So that would be one thing. And two, having honest and forthright conversations with your kids. Your kids should feel safe in being vulnerable with you. And if your kids don't want to talk to you about anything, we need to be praying. God, how do we reopen these lines of communication? Because trust is everything. And if if the kid feels that they're going to be judged or condemned instead of heard and pitied. They don't want to talk to you. There could be a bunch of other variables. It could just be sin and selfishness. It's not all on you, and I don't want you to be overfilled with shame either. But it needs to be a safe place. One of the most powerful things you can do as a parent is own it. Another big reason our young people are leaving is because their parents don't take responsibility for their own sins. But they hold their kids accountable for theirs. And we're afraid Because we think if I'm vulnerable with my kids, they're not going to respect me. The exact opposite is true. One of the most powerful and manly things someone can do is own it and take responsibility. Saul lost the kingdom because he wouldn't take responsibility. He was not a worse sinner than David was. David's life is a dumpster fire compared to Saul's. And yet David is saved and Saul isn't. Why? David owned it. Saul wouldn't. So I would encourage you to take responsibility. To, and so if you realize that there's things I've done with my children that I shouldn't have done, and the instinct, and the instinct was, I'm just going to do better going forward, but I'm not going to acknowledge where I messed up, that's not going to open those lines of communication. You need to go back and own what happened, apologize, and tell them I'm sorry. 
When my dad did that for me, it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. And I gained so much respect for that man. When he sat me down and in tears confessed to me that he had failed me as a father spiritually. He said, I'm sorry. And I remember thinking to myself, why is my dad crying? He's the best dad I ever could have hoped for. But he realized his accountability to God, even though he couldn't give what he didn't receive. But pride keeps many of us from taking responsibility for how we hurt people, our spouses and our children. And it's because we will not receive the Laodicean message that we're not who we think we are. And we need to confess. We've got to own it. And uh, there's a resource I can give you on that if you'd like. Yeah, you, you're, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have those barriers with your own family, you know, because it may be difficult for others. But I think having unsupervised access to the Internet is incredibly unwise for young, impressionable, and curious minds. And the thing is, they may not even be the problem. It could be that their friends are the problem, and that sparks the curiosity. That's where most of it starts. Some kid has unrestricted access, and they bring it over and say, hey, look what I found. Because you don't even have to look for it anymore. It comes looking for you. So it, it would take far more time than what I can go into, but I know that the resources have to be existing in this. So just start Googling your guts out. What are, what are, what are practical ways to protect my kids from this, from this, from this, from this? Um, but I would install software that, that not only is accountability software, that, that tracks what they're doing, but also filters 100%. Uh, yes? But, it's heartbreaking that you get 10 likes for a deeply spiritual quote and you get 150 when you get a boyfriend. You get 150 when you talk about Trump. You get 3,000, right, when you talk about women's ordination or something else. That's a shame. And it could be that you're doing nothing wrong. It, it's, it's, a, it's a human heart problem. This is why I don't even go into politics online. First of all, I, I abstain from all of it. I'm sick of both of them. I drank the red Kool-Aid for a while and then the blue. Now I just have a stomach ache and I'm done with all of them. But I just, it's, it's not doing us any good. And we're told not to pander in it. But I guess my point is that it, if you're posting the things that God is laying on your heart, that's fine. I would say that your quote should not be long. And I'm not saying yours are. If they had to hit the see more button, it's probably too long. Now, I've done that at times, but that's the other thing. We need, just because something is awesome doesn't mean that you need to drop a cookbook in Facebook and think that people will read it and then be upset that no one read it. And I'm not saying that's you at all, but I've had people say, like, well, dude, your thing was five pages long. Like, what are you getting chippy for? Like, maybe you should have made it shorter or made a video. You know, like, do a video instead. What you could do maybe is do just a little selfie video and say, hey, you know, like, I was reading this in Desire of Ages, and it says this, and this really blessed me, and here's why. So instead of having it just be text, you're doing a picture, you're doing a video, you're doing something else. That's another way to make it applicable. Because people actually respond to like a, a, like a nature picture and a longer story like an Instagram. People actually respond to that because there's something to it. There's story, there's narrative. Yeah. Well, and then another part of that is how am I, how am I supposed to be relatable to, because I mean, I almost converted maybe a year and a half ago or so. Welcome. How You can reach out to them and tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you. I hope you're well. Like, oh, hey, I see you're with your kids. Your kids look great. Like, there's still ways that your friendship exists, right? Just because you don't do what they do in all facets doesn't mean you stop caring about them. So I would find ways for those personal connections. And if they're into cooking, like, hey, I got this recipe. It's amazing. Like, I thought you'd like it. So there's other ways that you can think just outside of solely just spiritual approach first, right? Uh, fair ways. Other question. What time does this thing? I think it's done technically, but when is when is it like done? Done for lunch? Okay, choir practice is about to start, and lunch is at twelve thirty. Um, if anyone would like to stay and ask any more questions, I'm I'm more than happy to stay for a few extra minutes. But if you need to go, don't feel bad. Um, but if you do have questions, feel free to ask. Yes. Neville uh, Neville Neveling. Uh, let me go back to that. Neville Neveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch your feet there oh dear thanks for the talk oh you bet praise god 
Yeah. Yeah. Neville Neveling. I don't. So he's the one that's doing WhatsApp. And they're looking at other strategic ways to do stuff. They're using social media platforms, actually, to bring people into these Bible studies. So when they're doing these WhatsApp evangelistic series and small group Bible studies and planting churches, they literally are having an entire church service through WhatsApp. Someone does a scripture reading. Someone else preaches. Someone else does this or that. But because they're so spaced out and where they are in South Africa, Namibia, it's hard to have church, so they do it this way. And it's a way to get things started, at least, too. I would get a hold of him personally and just say, hey, what resources do you have? And then he can tell you. Um, you've had. You said you were going to make the presentation and your... Yeah, my slides and audio. Uh-huh. Where could we get those? Um, I will get those to... What's the best way to distribute that to people who are attending? Okay. Okay, to see if it can be put on the GYC Northwest website or something like that. Um, the other thing you can do is you can email me. It's d at, D-E-E at ARTVnow.com. So if you, yeah, D-E-E, just like up here, D-E-E at ARTVnow.com. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just email me directly. We can cut out the middleman if you want the audio from today and the slides. D-E-E at ARTVnow.com. Okay. Hey, let's close with prayer then if there aren't any other questions. Father in heaven, I thank you that you care, uh, that you have answers to the deepest needs of our young people, uh, of our adults, And to all human beings on this planet, I just pray that you would show us how to use digital media responsibly and evangelistically uh, as one of the ways through which you uh, allow the loud cry to be made known to this planet in distress. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.